Welcome to Wholehearted Coaching, the podcast. If you're looking for more purpose, more passion, more joy in your life, then you have come to the right place. I am your host, coach and life alchemist, Sharin Eskandani, and I have worked with thousands of people showing them how to create their dream lives while also living their dream lives. This podcast is where mindset, mindfulness, and manifestation meet. Together, we're going to release limiting beliefs, put your dreams into motion, all while prioritizing your ease, rest, and joy. Let's do this, love. Welcome to Wholehearted Coaching, the podcast. This is where we take a deeper dive into my Mindset Monday post, which you can read on Instagram at Wholehearted Coaching. Or if you want to go even deeper into this week's episode and get my free weekly journal prompts, sign up for my email list and you'll be able to explore the topics we're talking about in this episode even further. You can do that in the show notes or by heading to my website, wholehearted-coaching.com. And if you're interested in working with me, whether that's one-on-one in one of my group programs or one of my transformational courses, you can head to my website, wholehearted-coaching.com slash offerings to find out more. And of course, you can also head to the show notes and all of this information will be waiting for you there. All right, love, welcome to this week's episode. So I know a lot of folks in this community, in the wholehearted community, are interested in becoming a coach or maybe working with a coach. And after years of doing this work, I know that there are a lot of misconceptions about what a coach is and what a coach does. I mean, heck, you may have been listening to this podcast for years and you still don't know what I do exactly. So today, we're going to be answering that question. What is a coach and what the heck does a coach do? Like seriously, Sharin, what do you do all day? I can't tell you how many messages I get from folks who want to become a coach and they're worried. They're worried they can't do it because they're still on their own healing journey or they feel like they just don't know enough. And so in today's episode, not only are we defining what coaching is, but I'll also be breaking down what I believe to be the top four coaching myths. And if you're interested in becoming a coach and want to learn more about what coaching from a decolonized lens looks like, there is still time to join me for my free week-long workshop, Decolonized Coaching 101. This workshop is for anyone who is curious about becoming a coach or for someone who is already coaching and wants to learn more about decolonizing their approach. During this week-long workshop, we're going to be looking at the toxic history and roots of the coaching industry and how we can change the future. I'll also be sharing with you some of my favorite coaching tools, and we'll also look at how we can decolonize entrepreneurship. We start on October 22nd, and if you want to sign up, head to wholehearted-coaching.com slash decolonized, or just go to the show notes. Okay, love, let's dive straight into today's episode. 
So here is the first thing I want to share with you. What I have come to deeply understand is that those who are called to coaching, those who are called to become a coach, are actually already coaches. And if you're listening and you have ever wanted to become a coach, you, my love, are already a coach. You are the person that people come to when they are struggling, when they're facing a challenge. You are the person who people come to when they need to be seen and heard, whether it's your family or friends or random strangers on the street. People feel compelled to share their story with you. You are the person who holds space for those around you. This is coaching. Coaching is about holding space for others and allowing them to feel seen and heard. In my certification, the Wholehearted Coaching Certification, I call all of the students coaches from day one. And and they're like, wait a second, wait a second, Sharon. I joined this certification to become a coach. But the truth is, they are already a coach. And the work we do in the certification is about amplifying their inherent, innate abilities. Now, everyone's going to have a different definition of coaching, but here is how I define coaching. A coach is someone who can create a space in which others feel empowered and supported to heal, grow, and transform. Coaching is the process in which a client learns to reclaim their own innate wisdom, fortitude, and gifts to create the unimaginable. Now, what stands out to you about this definition? I'm going to read it again. I know it's really wordy, but this is how I define coaching. A coach is someone who can create a space in which others feel empowered and supported to heal, grow, and transform. Coaching is the process in which a client learns to reclaim their own innate wisdom, fortitude, and gifts to create the unimaginable. Coaching isn't about telling others what to do. It's not about the coach knowing more than the client. No, coaching is about creating a space in which a client can realize how damn incredible, wise, and amazing they already are. That to me is coaching. That is coaching from a decolonized approach. As a coach, I'm not teaching you anything new. I'm not telling you what to do. I am helping you reclaim what you already have within. Being a coach is about alchemy. I use alchemy a lot in my work because it's really about taking different tools and ideas and concepts and creating this beautiful space in which transformation can happen. It's about alchemizing something more beautiful out of the most difficult of circumstances. So being an empath isn't being a coach. Being a leader isn't being a coach. Being a problem solver is not being a coach. Now you can be all of these things and a coach, but these aren't one and the same with what a coach is or does. So to me, coaching is goal-oriented in service of some form of transformation, right? The role of a coach is to help assist, guide, and support their client toward some sort of transformation. Now that transformation, that goal can be external 
But more often than not, it is something internally shifting, which then allows the external to change as well. So clients come to coaches during a time of transition. It's a time when there is a lot of confusion and uncertainty, and a client recognizes that they need to make certain changes in their life, but they're unsure of what those changes may be and how to do them. And so the coach's role in all of this is about creating an environment in which a client feels empowered to transform and to change. So yes, coaching is goal-oriented. I think we all kind of have that idea of what coaching is, and that's why we go to a coach. We're like, okay, I need to make a change. I want to do this thing, and I want someone who is going to support me and hold me accountable during this time. However, I deeply believe that a coach's role isn't to tell you how to get to that goal. The journey towards that goal is uncovered during the coaching process between the coach and the client. So let's get into some coaching myths because I think they're also going to help with our definition or understanding of what coaching is and what a coach does. So Let's get the first big myth out of the way. Myth number one, a coach needs to know all the answers. Here is one thing I need you to truly understand about being a coach. From day one, being a coach is not about having all the answers. We are not solving anything for the people we have the privilege to work with. Coaching is not about giving advice. It's about creating a container in which your client can come up with their own solutions and answers, right? And we create that container through all these different tools. In the certification, we talk about tools like empowering questions, wholehearted listening, right? We offer tools, empathy, and support, but that wisdom is coming from the client. The people we get the privilege to work with already know the answers, and our job as a coach is to help them reclaim their own inner wisdom. Coaching is more about listening than answering. It's more about being aware than being right. Coaching is a collaboration. It is a co-creation. If coaching was a metaphor, it's you holding a lamp up on a dark night, standing right next to your client with a backpack full of provisions and tools that they can use on their journey, right? And you can suggest, you can offer and encourage to make the journey easier for them, but they are the one taking the journey, right? We're never running the race for or with our client. We are on the sidelines, cheering them on, offering them water, offering them guidance, giving them those electrolyte packets, right? But we are never in the race with them. That is their journey. We're not taking the steps the client is. So offering advice, solving clients' problems, or advising them, that falls under the category of mentoring or consulting. And this is actually what I see a lot of coaches doing, especially in the online space and social media, right? Thinking that giving advice is the same as coaching. And and I totally get this. I totally get why this happens. And there's so many popular examples of coaching like this. Tony Robbins, Gabby Bernstein, Ianla Van Zant. But The work that they are doing falls under the category of mentorship. A mentor is someone who is telling you what you need to do. And that's absolutely okay, but that's not coaching. You know, as a coach, 
a really big weight is lifted off your shoulders when you realize you do not have all the answers. You won't have all the answers. And while that weight is lifted, let me tell you this, it's going to sound a little bit ironic. It's actually easier in a way to just solve people's problems, to tell them what to do. And to be honest, I've had some sessions where I want to be like, listen, love, you just need to break up with that person, (laughs) right? Where I just want to tell them, have that difficult conversation, pick up the phone, send the email. But what I have come to understand is that I will never know what's best for someone else. That is something that they can only uncover. And if I step out of the way, the solutions and ideas that we discover are far more incredible than what I could have ever imagined. I believe a really successful coaching relationship is one in which a client does not depend on the coach. So that once the sessions are done, once your package of coaching sessions is done, that client goes out in the world and they do the damn thing over and over and over again. They are able to reach goals again and again and again. That is incredible coaching. When I finish a coaching package with my clients, they're good. You know, some come back to me maybe after a year or two because of new insights, new goals, but they have really got themselves. They've got their own back. And yes, some folks out there may be like, well, Sharin, maybe they just didn't like working with you. Okay. Yes, this could be true. But also most of my clients stay in touch with me and they update me with all of the amazing things that are happening in their life, all of the things that have happened beyond our time together. And this to me is success. They don't need me. They're out in the world living their dreams. I have been coaching now for so many years, and it is the joy of my life when I get an email from a client who worked with me like years ago, telling me that a dream that they planted during our time together has now fully blossomed and bloomed. You know, I recently connected with a client who had worked with me five years ago and we had a zoom call. And when I got on the call, I I didn't recognize the background. It was a totally different home. And sure enough, she had moved cross country, bought her first home literally weeks before we spoke, was working at this incredible job. And these were all dreams and goals that she had talked about during our time together. Dreams take time. But if you have the confidence and belief in yourself, then they will blossom and bloom. And we literally spent the first few minutes of our call like crying together. I was just so happy for her. So myth number one, if you want to become a coach and you're worried you don't know it all, love, you don't need to. You don't need to know all the answers. All right, let's go to myth number two. You need to be healed. In order to become a coach, you do not need to be healed. First of all, that's just not possible. No one is fully healed. We're all on this journey of healing. However, you do have to be committed to your path, your journey of wellness and healing. This is where a lot of coaches can cause harm, right? Where they are not on their own journey. They're not tending to themselves. And so they end up projecting their own issues and baggage onto their clients. The most incredible coaches and facilitators and healers that I have ever worked with are those that later on I found out were deeply invested 
in their own well-being. Resma Manikam, the author of My Grandmother's Hands, believes that people don't work with him because of his degrees or achievements or accolades. He believes that people work with him and trust him because he is so emotionally regulated, meaning his like nervous system is calm so that he can be grounded, so that he has an open presence. Presence is such a big part of coaching. And presence can only be possible, presence can only be present when we are taking really good care of ourselves. Study after study shows that our nervous system can affect the nervous systems of those around us, right? One emotionally regulated person can regulate an entire group, and one person who's not regulated can throw off an entire group, right? Think of family gatherings. We are on the precipice of the holiday season. There is often that one person who shows up and throws everyone's energy off. And then there's that one person who shows up and who can calm everyone simply through their presence. Understanding this has completely changed how I coach and show up for my community. I know that taking care of myself is imperative to being present and being of assistance to others without causing harm. Right? This is why I have my morning routine. I go to therapy. I have my own coach. I do breath work. I meditate. I take breaks. I go for walks. All of these things allow me to be a better coach. So as long as you're committed to your own growth and healing, you too can become a coach. And here is something I want to add to this myth, something I want to spend a whole podcast on in the future. But what I also know to be true is that the parts of you that you think are the most broken, the parts that maybe you once were most ashamed of or that you used to hide, those parts, one day when you become a coach, are going to be your superpowers. And they will be the exact reason why people will want to work with you. So I, I want you to think of me. I always felt so ashamed of my immigrantness, of being a woman of color. I always felt left out, like I didn't belong. And when I came to the world of wellness, I felt like a total black sheep. Because while I loved what I was learning, I also approached everything with a side eye, right? With a really critical lens. And when I fully embraced all those things on my own growth and healing journey, when I worked through my shame and fully owned them, that's when I became the coach I am today. And I believe that's why you're listening to this podcast, because of all of those parts of me. You listen in, you tune in because of my immigrantness or me being a woman of color or always being left out and looking at the wellness world through a critical lens. You like those parts of me. So know that what you may think you need to hide or fix in order to work with folks, that's actually what you need to magnify. People want to work with people. They don't want to work with perfect. They want to work with you. This is what I mean when I say medicine and magic, right? In the certification, I always talk about weaving your medicine and magic into the work. And this is it. These parts of you, things like your cultural background, your past, your body, your gender identity, all of those things, they're part of your medicine and magic, right? And in the certification, we look at how you can magnify those parts 
because they are going to be your superpowers as a coach. They will be the reason why people want to work with you. Okay, now let's go to our third myth. The third myth is that you think you need to be versed in every modality, tool, and resource. Listen, there are so many incredible tools out there to use. And as a coach, it can sometimes feel limitless. Like you need to get certified in everything under the sun before you're ready to start your practice. But the truth is the role of a coach is to have a toolbox that works for them. Not the biggest box with all of the tools, but the tools that they resonate with the most. A toolbox that allows them to be fluid and flexible so that they can meet each client's individual needs. Those who are called to coach understand what a big responsibility this work is. And understanding that is kind of like a blessing and a curse. It's a blessing in that as coaches, we should always understand what a privilege it is to do the work we do and that we are really there with our clients during their most tender and difficult moments, right? It's a big responsibility, but it's also a curse in that this big responsibility can weigh heavily on us and it can hold us back from actually coaching because we think we need just one more degree or certification, right? And that once we have that degree or certification, we will be able to coach properly. We think that we're lacking. We don't know enough. And something I have to remind myself often is, are you pursuing growth from lack or abundance? I have a tendency to think I'm one certification away from being the best coach ever. So, you know, before I sign up for something, I have to check in with myself and see if I'm signing up because I think I'm lacking or because this certification or this course really interests me. I sign up for about three to four different types of programs every year. Some are a weekend long, some are maybe six months. But now I really add to my toolkit from a place of genuine curiosity and interest, right? So coach, there is no way that you can be versed in everything under the sun. Add to your toolbox, add to it in the ways that you know will be of benefit to you and your clients. And of course, this is all nuanced. Because something that we also see in the coaching world, which is not so great, is certifications or coaching models that are rooted in one tool. So the certification or the coaching methodology, there is only one tool and that one tool is meant to solve or fix every issue. So one tool coaching can be like Byron Katie's The Work or uh, The Model by Brooke Castillo. And the thing is, is these are great tools, but if they are the only tool that you use, then that can cause harm. Because oftentimes with one tool coaching, there is no nuanced discussion about the tool. Instead, the client is forced to apply that tool to all areas of their life with a disregard to their specific circumstances, their identity or their lived experience or the oppressive systems we live in, right? So for us to fully honor our clients' selves, their full selves, we have to have as holistic an approach as possible. And finally, one of the greatest things to recognize as a coach is when you don't have the right toolbox for a client. 
Not every client is meant to be your client, and that is okay. This wisdom is so important. Knowing when you can't be of service to someone and allowing them to experience the magic of coaching with someone else. This has happened to me in my practice a handful of times where I recognized actually my approach, the way that I coach with the tools that I know, this is probably not going to be the right toolbox for this person. And I wanted that person to really experience how incredible coaching could be. So I always have a list of folks that I can refer people to. No ego. This is decolonized coaching. So coach, educate yourself, seek out new ways of learning and practicing, but do not think that you are only ready once you know it all, because that's impossible. And now we are at our final myth. And that myth is what you have done before does not apply to being a coach. B.S. So many of us who are called to become a coach come to this work from totally different lives. I used to be an opera singer and I have colleagues who used to work in law or marketing or visual arts. And something that breaks my heart, it really breaks my heart, is when I hear folks say that they want to become a coach, but they can't because their current or former career is so disparate, right? They think they need to have a background in therapy or social work. And I get it because this is such important and tender work. But love, it does not matter what you have done before this. You can be a coach. The only thing that matters is that you want to become a coach. And here is what I will also tell you. Everything that you have done that has led you here will inform your practice, whether it's obvious or not. My background as an opera singer is present each and every day as a coach. Singing taught me how to be in front of people, in front of an audience. It gave me skills in improvising. I can read the energy of a room, a space, a person, And this podcast is me also using those skills. I've seen colleagues integrate their former careers into their work. So artists have made their art part of their practice. So many of my corporate colleagues work as coaches in the corporate or executive space. I have friends who are parents who coach other parents. So every part of you, your history, your background, your everything, will inform and amplify and magnify your work as a coach. So that myth, throw it straight in the garbage bin love. So those are our four myths. Myth number one, that you have to have all of the answers. Myth number two, that you need to be healed. Myth number three, that you need to know everything under the sun, every tool and every practice. And finally, myth number four, that what you did before does not apply to being a coach. So love, I hope you found something in this episode that resonates with you. If you are someone who wants to become a coach, do it, explore it. And in Decolonized Coaching 101, my week-long masterclass on October 22nd, We're going to go deeper into all of these ideas. And if you're thinking of working with a coach, really think about this episode. And when you connect with a coach, when you have a discovery call with a coach, see how it feels. 
Is it a coach that embodies what we're talking about in this episode? Or is it a coach that practices a different way? That's all right if they do, but really make an informed decision that feels right to you. There are a lot of incredible coaches working out there. So love, I hope I see you at Decolonize Coaching 101. You can head to wholehearted-coaching.com slash decolonized to sign up or go to the show notes. And as we say goodbye, I want you to think of one thing that is resonating with you from today's episode. And we're going to end with a deep breath in, holding it at the top, thinking of that one thing, and breathing out. Until next week, love, I'll talk to you then. Thank you so much for joining me this week. If you liked this episode, please share it with a friend, subscribe or follow where you love listening most. And if you haven't yet, leave a review. You can do this on Apple Podcasts, CastBox, Podchaser or Podcast Addict. Until next week, love.